Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I interview founders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, executives, artists, musicians, you know, you, you name it, across the world in crypto and blockchain. And uh, today I have an absolutely amazing guest. Um, and I'm going to told him I'm going to try to pronounce his last name correctly. Uh, his name is Nicholas Zidu. He is the founder and CEO at Ultra, Ultra Games. Uh, Nicholas, welcome. Thanks a lot, Jamil. Thanks for having me today. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the, to, the, to the podcast. So am I. So am I. Awesome. Uh, so let me ask you the first question. Is this, is what is your background? And is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Sure. Sounds good. Uh, I believe so. Um, in a sense, I've been really a hardcore and avid gamer for all my youth, spent, I think, countless hours playing games, Counter-Strike especially, doing a lot of tournaments, going around the world to, to do championships and so on. Uh, and that's also how I met my co-founder for the, this project. Uh, and as a co-founder, I've been making companies with for the, the past 20 years now, more or less. Um, and basically what we've been uh, doing around the clock of uh, gaming is really doing uh, mobile gaming. So creating a mobile game studio, creating as well a PC game studio, uh, which was building a AAA FPS. Uh, this one got acquired by Kingsoft. It was in China. So I spent eight years, uh, give or take, uh, in China. Um, we also worked with creating a game monetization strategy company. So basically helping large companies, um, you know, the 10 cents of the world, game after others, uh, to improve the monetization of their games. So basically increasing retention or finding a better way to monetize, modifying the game design. Um, that was very interesting. Um, and the last company before creating Ultra was actually a game console company. Uh, so we worked in China as well. Uh, we had around roughly 120 million from Chinese government, Chinese banks to make a new game console, which was like a PS4 Pro level of, uh, of console. A very interesting project as well. Uh, and in terms of uh, blockchain, so I've been around since 20, late 2010. Uh, so yeah, we had like miners back in the days. It was like the very first years of crypto. Um, anything that happened was after that, uh, before it was just a Bitcoin and after we had Ethereum, smart contracts and everything coming up. Uh, that's really where um, my interest sparked into uh, merging gaming and blockchain uh, because basically we, we've been developing games, playing games, uh, helping to market games, helping to publish and distribute games, making the hardware of the games, the distribution platform on the game and the monetization of the game. So basically sort of the whole, the whole experience. Uh, and so we could foresee a lot of problems that we encountered during the years. Um, and that's what we managed to solve here with Ultra. I have a follow-up there already. Um, so you added to Bitcoin in 2010, and that was the only really one that was there. And then Ethereum, of course, came along. So at, at one point, you said to yourself, you know what, let me merge this payment crypto blockchain with gaming. When did? How did you determine that that gaming could be an off ramp or a subsector of the of the uh, greater crypto industry. I think at that point in time, so we saw initially Ethereum and what it could be doing because Bitcoin was great, but it was really for payment in a sense of storing your money. Uh, that was not interesting for gaming uh, at that point in time. Uh, then smart contracts came along, 
And that was really when you started to have some uh, some bits and pieces that were interesting for the games industry. Uh, no, it was not usable because of all the, um, the way it's structured, like you have, you have gas fees, you need to have private keys. I mean, yeah, not a gamer stream for sure. Uh, but there was some really great potential in terms of um, synergies. So really the fact you have this blockchain that anybody can tap on can create synergies between the games industry that are really hard to do. Like how can you have a tournament uh, an esport platform like a, a live stream, uh, purchasing your game, your community, your funding, the whole thing connected. Interesting, fascinating. I looked through all the subsectors recently of crypto when I'm like 60% of the stuff I never heard of. So it's growing so dramatically. So, um, so, um, Ultra Games, right? Ultra Games, what is that all about? Um, and then what makes your suite stand out from what's out there today in the market? Yeah. Um, so if you think about Ultra Games, so Ultra Games is um, it's a part of Ultra. Uh, so it's not just uh, Steam Plus Plus in a sense. Uh, it's really the creation of an entire ecosystem. So Ultra Games is the equivalent of Steam. Uh, so it would have discounts. It has, you know, uh you can buy games you can download games you can play games the same way you would have on steam uh different is that you also have web 2 and web 3 games uh, and then you can resell your games as well uh but basically the the big thing is about the entire ecosystem as well so the fact that we don't try to have uh, a steam competitor and beat them on the same features and content and hope it works that not gonna work. Um, it's much more on the ecosystem aspect. So the idea is that today you don't have that doesn't exist uh, on the PC side. What you have is siloed services, applications, content. Uh, whatever you have on Steam just lives on Steam and always will be on Steam. Um, and what we have is that basically we integrate all the pieces together uh, in a sense that you can compete, you can play tournaments. You can uh, watch live streams of your favorite uh, streamers and players. You can buy your games. You can resell your games afterward. Uh, you can be part of a community. Um, the whole, the whole uh, ecosystem is really the vision we have. Um, you could compare us in a sense a bit uh, with a PlayStation or Xbox that really offers the ecosystem, but much more open. So it's, it goes more into the iOS slash Android uh, aspect where basically we create the first piece of technology, uh, we create the tools, we create the few first applications. Like on your phone, you have you know uh, phone, message, calendar, a few things. That's what we do with Ultra Games, Ultra Arena, uh, Unique Marketplace, and all that. And then we open it to third parties. So anybody building something, uh, whether it already exists like a Twitch or something that does not exist and like, oh, I'm gonna take advantage of this new concept and create uh, an app that's gonna fit perfectly in the middle of it. Uh, and all of those services are embedded into one single ecosystem. And the idea is to offer seamless experience. So when you're a player, you don't have to log in to each of them. Everything is, you know, with a single sign-on everywhere. Uh, whatever you earn, can be visible to the others. Like if, for example, you, you bought a game, uh, your tournament platform will know that you own this game, so they will be able to propose you some cool tournaments. 
Um, the same way, if you watch a live stream, you would be able to earn maybe a, a cool copy of that game. So this is really the ecosystem angle that uh, I believe is the strong suit of uh, of Ultra. Uh, is that that's been proven to be working with um, on phones. Like everybody has a phone, tons of apps. You don't care about the tech; you care about the content. And we basically build the frameworks to have this content on PC. That's very high level, but that gives you an idea of the how deep it can be and how wide it can become. You said oh, you said this word a few times already, and I want to I want to find out the current status uh, status of it because I know it changed, but I don't know what it changed to tournaments. Yep. Um, before COVID used to be sold out arenas, right? Um, what is it, you know, morphed into now? What is the status of the, and then I'll ask you about, you know, the web two versus web three, but I want to find out what the current state of esports and tournaments are. In terms of uh, esports and tournaments, uh, the game industry as a whole, when you, when you had the, the COVID period, just, people stayed home. <laughs> so they could have time. They played tournaments. They did much more than, than what they did before. And we could see that, that it's much higher than before COVID. So pre-COVID, post-COVID is very different. Uh, people start to have ab- habits. Uh, and those habits stay. The same way now you work from home. Like lots of people work from home because they actually tricked. <laughs> uh, and that's the same for, for the esports, uh, in a sense. The, the problem with esports was much more around the monetization of it, because uh, there is a big interest from brands, big interest from people, because the audience is a very uh, attractive audience. They are usually the good age range, uh, they have money, um, and so that's attractive to brands. Uh, but then the whole model revolves around sponsoring, uh, advertisements, and that's today's status. A bit like sport, you know, if you check football, it lives. Yeah, because you have uh, you have advertisement, but then there's a whole new market around it, which is players. You trade the players, you buy one, you have a team. Oh, the Dubai decide to invest into a big, uh, into a large uh, football club and acquire it because why not? <laughs> so that's that's really you know like uh, the next level of esports. Uh, for me, that's what I believe. So today you have traditional esports, which is based on advertising and sponsoring, but the next level will also be around what you see in the traditional sports. And I think that's going to be very exciting <laughs> to see. It is because the old, the web two, right? Um, gaming, like you said, is based on sponsorship and so that's the old style. So how do you, how do you bridge that gap between web two and web three gaming? I would say with industry gaming today, the problem you have is a lot about the experience. So when you play, when you enter Web3 and you are not crypto native in a sense, it's a nightmare. Uh, I mean, even for crypto native, it's still a nightmare. <laughs> Must oh, but you, wait, you need a wallet? Okay, sure. I don't have that wallet. Okay, let me get it. Download it. Problem. Passphrase. This need to write it down. Not gonna work. I need to use the game, but I need to buy some crypto first. Otherwise, I cannot play the game. You know, that's today's status. Um, I mean, some are doing that a bit better already today, but it's still far from the good solution. Uh, and I think that's really something which is key is make it as seamless, as invisible as possible. You're not supposed to know you're using a crypto or blockchain product. You're supposed to be like, okay, I want to play a game. That game's great. My friend plays it. I'm going to play it. Or this influencer plays it. 
stops there. Uh, but then you get extra experience. So it's a little bit more like people need to be taught how to interact with Web3 products without having the feeling that they are taught. Because nobody likes that. Nobody likes to be taught something. Like especially gamers, like, eh, let me do. I know how to do. <laughs> uh, and if you take the parallel with, for example, um, Microsoft, you know, like when you had Windows, oh, everybody played Minesweeper. Everybody played Solitaire, the card game. Why? Why did they put that there? Actually, one was to learn to do the right click with Minesweeper. The other one was to drag and drop. Oh, I'm dragging and dropping my card. Oh, it works. Great. I learned how to use Windows now. Now I can do it. <laughs> and so that's really the, the way that you should be teaching um, Web3. It should be invisible, transparent. And that's what we, we have in mind as well with Ultra. Uh, when you're using basically the ecosystem, you're receiving, for doing a normal action, like resetting your game, uh, you get some US, which is the crypto that you can use to buy something else. So like, oh, I got something cool. I can buy something with it. Fine. Great. Oh, I just did the review of, of a game. Oh, I just received some crypto as well. That's cool. Um, oh, I played this tournament and I can see that it's recorded somewhere in my profile. Oh, I can see the one of others as well. Oh, this one is really good. This player, how come? And then you can start to see basically the, the Web3 uh, expansion without really feeling that you are learning something new. It's just like new cool features to you. Interesting. People don't like to think they're being taught or they don't like to listen. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Nobody wants to listen to the teacher in class, right? <laughs> that's, that's how it works. Uh, but that's, that's, that's rough on them. So it's hard to teach something. I mean, here, basically, you need to make it in a way like same as in school. They do it with games and you don't know you're learning, but actually you're learning something. That's really the way to, to go. Um, and I think the, the other aspect is also on the, the content creator side. So game developers, publishers, and all the actors of the industry, uh, you need to offer a solution for this, the problem they already have today. Like discoverability is a problem, monetization is a problem, uh, community growth is a problem. So all those inherent problems of the Web2 are exactly the same for Web3. So the thing is, if you can provide a solution that fits both, they also can have access to new tools uh, in the same box, in a sense. So if you give a SDK, oh, you have achievement, leaderboard, you can create like a messaging solution, communities and all that. But you can also create some NFTs. You can also do check the blockchain account of the user. So we give you the keys as well as a Web2 developers to use to develop on Web3. So it's really like merging both um, and offering the same solution in the end. Like if an influencer, if we create a new cool solution for influencers to promote your game, whether it's a Web2 or Web3, nobody cares. Uh, the big difference is that the Web3 can give you also some extra um, extra bullets as an influencer to do a better job, saying that, hey, I'm going to give you some visual items, I'll give you a few game copies, and all that simply with NFTs. I just give them to you, you give them away, you make a cool, uh, cool um, I would say, a presentation of the game, and anybody who's going to buy the game, you get your percentage automatically. And this can all be done with blockchain, transparently, with zero integration efforts. So you don't need to do anything. You just need to use the system. 
Uh, and that's really, to me, how you also bridge the gap is by providing solutions for all that can work. And it's using Web3 tech at the end of the day. But it's just, again, as a web dev, you don't really, as a game dev, you don't especially have to, to use it. You just use the feature we provide to you. Hmm. I still think of one of the biggest issues that we see. I mean, say, say the technology is there and you can do it. And that's a solution long-term, right? And it's a seamless transition, right? I still think that there's exists today. And let me know your thoughts on this. Um, a trust issue, right? How can we create more trust and green the state, you know, a better state of credibility with blockchain gaming? Because I believe there's still a stigma what do you think about that? No, it's, it's totally fair. It's totally fair assessment. Um, that's history and experience. People see what happened. And it, nothing looked really good so far. Uh, in a sense that there was like people heard scam. There was like people who lost money. There was like all this kind of uh, bad vibe around it. Um, now there was some success stories as well. Uh, but they are not gaming success stories. They're around the games industry, like you have CryptoKitties or others, which, you know, it, it basically opened the door to the, the large developers and, and uh, to see that, oh, there is potential. And that's, I think, to me, where they started to, okay, that's maybe something, let's, let's dig a bit into it. Uh, but that wasn't a real gaming, uh, like there was no gamers playing, playing, you know, like the early crypto games. So really more about speculation and that was what it, what it was. Uh, and today we don't have yet um, amazing games that are like uh, out of the box. You start to have some. Uh, you had like Cross the Ages doing spell. Uh, you had like a, a lot of, of games that are starting now to be successful. That's the beginning. Uh, we didn't have like a new success story so far that is uh, all over the press. Uh, and I think that's what's missing. When you're going to start to have people like uh, seeing that actually that's a real business, they're going to put more effort into it. And, but I mean, who, I mean, all the large, uh, like a Rockstar or like, a, I don't know, EA or whatnot, when they start to put their efforts into it, you're going to see like a big, big change. I mean, some tried from the large ones, but there was a problem of messaging, problem of uh, how it's been done. But I think people learn over time uh, and we will be able to see, I think in the near future, you're going to start to see a much, much better environment for when you have like the large ones, uh, incumbent that are part of it, it's less stressful for the rest. But I think that's a question of yeah, success stories. So that's where I guess you're going to leverage your experience with Tencent, right? Um, with the institutions and with the creation of a PC gaming store, right? Like what are some of the painful lessons that you can take from crypto plus your experience from Tencent and create, you know, something for going forward? How do you see the, the, the merge of your two, two experiences in the, you know, in the gaming and the crypto and Tencent so that for the future of the, of the gaming stores? Yep. Uh, in terms of the gaming store, I think what we've seen in the past is, you know, it really started right 20 years ago is a digital version. So Steam is, I think, almost 20 years now, uh, maybe yeah, a bit later, later, later this year. Um, and we've seen how it was before, so physical. Then it went to digital. Uh, and basically, what they did that, 
you started also to have like the self-publishing aspect that came came with it. And that was something new that people could self-publish, uh, and I think that's really a big the first big first change that happened in the, in the space in the, the space. Now today, PC game store the main problem is that's really hard for finding great games because there is lots of them that are great but nobody ever saw them. Uh, lots of uncovered gems for the players. Uh, that's today a big, one of the biggest problem, I believe. You also have the gray market. Like you can see a lot of website around and usually it's not beneficial for the, for the game, for the game developers. They don't really earn from it. So if somebody, they need a cool discount, actually the rest of the market is, is out, out of their hand. Um, that's something that we tackled with the um, second hand resale solution. So as a game publisher, you can say, Hey, um, I would accept that your game can be resold, but only after three months, because I know my launch plan, how it's going to be. I know at that point in time, that's the perfect time for opening secondary market. And then we put some boundaries as well, saying, okay, you can resell, but that's minimum 20 bucks for the game. Um, and I will get a percentage as well. So that's all of a sudden become an incentive for game publishers to do so. Before they had no incentive. Even on the physical world was the same. Uh, you go to GameStop, you give your game, people buy it, but the game the game developers gets nothing, which yeah, not not so fair. Uh, and that that's really something that we make uh, a big switch that happened uh, with our technology, and that's because you have the bullshit tech that can allow these kind of things. And the fact that you also you know oh that player is a game even if I don't know who that is, I can still reward him. I can bring him into a tournament. I can offer him like an AMA because we can see he was on the one of the early players in our games. So there is many things you can do around the clock um, that are valuable. Um, I guess the other problems you have is with Steam. You bought tons of games. They are stuck in a library, taking dust. You never, most likely never play them. Sometimes you play them a bit. Sometimes you finish them. That's the really rare one. Uh, but all of that is no more value for you. Uh, but it could have value for somebody else. And we also believe that's something that should be uh, fixed with the secondary market. So there, there are really a lot of, of solutions today that are, to me, like limited. Uh, because simply the tech behind it wasn't there. Um, yep, that's uh, that's really about about that aspect. Uh, but I think maybe something that could be of uh, of uh, of interest for for the game store, as was explained earlier during this this podcast, was really the ecosystem angle. Is that indeed a game store shouldn't be alone somewhere? It's part of an ecosystem. Is part of a lifestyle, for life cycle, uh, whatever you want to call it. But this is part of, of an ecosystem. So it's pretty sad that today uh, a lot of the players are only seeing that that part, uh, buying the games. But actually, there's many services around the games industry that would make their life uh, better. They would be like, oh, cool. What if I didn't know Twitch exists? I might be a bit sad because I, I like I like this game, but I want I know I didn't know I could see players playing the game in live and then see how do they how do they play how do they learn from it so this is like discoverability but on the the whole games industry side today is siloed into different services but i want as a gamer to be to have full access right now i don't have full access i do but i don't know where to find it and that's really a big undertaking um, that we put in place with the system that we solve with this ecosystem 
Uh, and I believe that's really the future for me of game stores. That's part of the ecosystem, not just siloed. Maybe I'm understanding this incorrectly, but when I think siloed, I think of institutions, I think of corporations, I think of slow to move companies. But you said a little bit ago, self-published gamers. And I don't, I, you know, I'm a self-published author. I don't think of self-published gaming, you know, creations. Like, what? How can the game store leverage the leverage and help self-published gamers who I'm who I'm thinking are more, um, what's the word, agile? Um, mm -hmm. How can you create something that would be more agile with that game store to help the self-developed, uh, self-published yep. gamers? No, exactly. If you if you take example of self-publishing platform, so Steam is a self-publishing platform, for example, uh, but there are not many out there. Uh, today, when you self-publish on Steam, you basically enter an ocean, a big ocean of, of games. There's like uh, 10,000 games out there, like 800 per month. So it doesn't help you so much. It helps you on the tech side because people can buy your game, download the game, upgrade the game and all that. But you're not discoverable at all. Uh, and what we bring with Ultra is, again, leveraging the technology uh, so that people can talk about your game, promote your games, and earn from it automatically and guaranteed. So there is no trust issue there. You don't need even to sign a contract with somebody. It's all automatic. So if, let's say, I'm, uh, I'm Ubisoft or I'm a small developer, it's the same. I can say if I'm releasing the new Assassin's Creed and I say, I want to give 10% of my sales to the first um, 10,000 persons, 10,000 person who promote it. I can, with the technology we developed as possible. But at the same time, if I'm a small indie, I can say, hey, I'm going to give 30% of my sales because I don't have the whole structure behind that I need to pay for and recoup my investment. You know, it's a totally different story. And you can say, I'm going to give 30% uh, for this many time or for this long or for this many copies. Uh, and how does that work is that if I'm an influencer, if I'm a publication, if I'm on a podcast, uh, I can talk about the specific game that I believe is great. Uh, and I know I will earn from it because when people buy the game, I will earn my, my part as well. And so all in all, it's a sort of self-regulating market because if everybody talk about the same game, obviously, it's going to be more visible, but you're going to make less money as an influencer because so many people are talking about it. But if you find a gem, you're like, oh, this one is really cool. I'm going to talk about this one. Uh, and you promote it correctly, people buy it, you will earn much more. So there's really a sort of market that's going to self-regulate itself because all games have their, their audience. All games are interesting to somebody. And all people, uh, I would say, would be fan of one type of game. So if I'm a big fan of bridge construction games that's the thing uh why not i'm gonna talk about it to my community to all the people around it and i'm gonna earn from it and the game developer is gonna be super happy uh, because he self-published and he managed to have a tons of audience and, and uh and sales that's one of the way we, we can do it i uh i'm a little confused i've talked to i've talked to some gaming um executives told me that they're moving away from play to earn um and um so i don't know what the and others are not so i don't know what the status is if that's still a, a gray area um 
And, you know, what's the current status on the gaming industry and play to earn? And is there an improvement upon that? Yeah. Yeah. I think play to earn is really like what I was explaining earlier is really about purely selling the game copy. So, premium games, you buy the game, go for it. Uh, that's a good like solution. On the play to earn, play to earn issues is you don't you want players you don't want people who are just there uh pressing a button and don't interact with the game just you know being there for being there that's what happened with play to earn a lot is that you have farms of people clicking on the game uh, the same way you had gold farmers back in the world of warcraft days that were gold farming that's what they were not contributing to the game they were just creating a sort of other game within the game uh, so this i fully agree that's not the way to go. Uh, this is, I think, the first step of trial and error for the blockchain gaming. That was the play to earn. Uh, the same way you had free to play. Free to play got, you know, everybody was hating free to play at the beginning. And I bet it's that right with the, the horse and stuff. Like, oh, with the DLCs, you know, oh, buy, buy something more. What? <laughs> Why should I buy something more? I bought the game. Give me the game. <laughs> uh, so, play to, and that was, you know, one of the first issues people saw. They did play to win that came up with free to play, and there was a big, you know, a big drama around this. People learned from it, they improved. There's very few free play to win, uh, play to win now. Uh, and that's the same with play to earn. Uh, we saw here the first try, people saw that it worked initially, but then the model is not sustainable, and in the end, it's not fun, it's not really the game you want to play. So, it's much more about putting the, the game gamer first back. At the center of the game, good experience, cool gameplay, uh, but basically having this uh, this sort of around the game. To me, that's very important. Is that the game is not siloed as a game? Is that this game can interact with an entire uh, world? So this game can be uh, you as a player. If you play a lot of this game, you start to earn uh, you know cool items, cool things that allows you. To get access to something outside of the game, uh, you can maybe go to uh, to supermarket and redeem something. That's possible as well. All of that is really the <laughs> sort of opening the gates. Right now, gates are closed. Opening the gates would allow you that. Would allows you to basically have this interaction, which are beneficial from for everyone, not just to to you as a gamer, uh, but to each actors. And I think that's the model we are going uh, towards. That's what we develop as well at Ultra. We have, you know, multiple game studios um, that we partially own, which are developing games as well exclusively, and that are having this mindset of, okay, I'm going to make this game first for the players, making it as exciting as possible, uh, and provide mechanics that allows them to bring that value that they generate within the game, not monetary value specifically, uh, but just value, like it can be a status, it can be, uh, you know, a re a re something really rare uh, that I want to show off to people. Uh, all of those elements uh, and those to build your sort of digital identity. So the fact you play this game, the fact you earn this, people know about it, they can give you some benefits, you can resell some parts, you can participate to a tournament, um, and you can also contribute to the game itself. You can be early on, you, you start your journey with the game developers, not when they release the game, but before they release the game. So you can be part of this community, um, helping the game developers to be known because you believe in what they are, they are doing, but also uh, helping on the, 
community side, on the, the growth, on the sales, on IDs, helping to make decisions sometimes. Uh, so that's really the, the sort of the gamers are part, really part of the game that's not existing today with Web2. And that's something Web3 can bring as well to the game space is this sort of core, very core audience. Today, you don't have that much of that core audience, uh, but that's what you can bring as well as Web3 from beginning, from start to finish. And then, yeah. <laughs> sounds awesome. Um, I think it all sounds very promising. I, 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 you know, if there's a lot there to build upon, that sounds great. Um, there's the, I, I do want to go back to the stigma piece. Um, there is, you know, when you think of gaming, you think of gaming, I think of gaming in two ways. One is the game is playing games, you know, and all this ecosystem, what you're building, all of it. And I've done that all my life <laughs> too. <laughs> two, gaming is gambling, you know, um, and recently there's been an onslaught of gambling tokens, right? And I've had people come up to me and say, oh, I'm not going to touch that crypto stuff because it's all gambling. Well, it's not all gambling. So how do you, how do you make the distinction for people between meme gaming gambling and gaming crypto web three development pay on player game? Yeah, but I would say the whole meme crypto is just negative, not only for the, for the game space, but I think for any space, any crypto space in general, just bad with this kind of things. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a very bad outlook for the public uh, and pure speculative, nothing behind in a sense. Um, but that's, I guess, going to be shut down at some point, I think, uh, by governments, uh, because once these investors, like large investors, are getting screwed, fine. They don't care as much. But when in retail getting screwed, that's bad. Uh, those are the people voting. <laughs> <laughs> so when they get screwed, they're not happy. They're not happy about you because you're the one managing the whole country. Uh, so then you start to be very reactive and start to regulate. And regulation is good. Um, it just needs to be done in a smart way by people who understand what's going on and what what are the possibilities and not block the vision, uh, block the block the possibilities. Uh, but I think in terms of the how to say the. Um, the solution is much more about, again, not talking about crypto, not talking about blockchain. Just let people enjoy the product and that's it. As, as long as you tag it, you flag it as crypto blockchain, you're going to get into troubles because you're going to have like people with very strong opinions against it, uh, who are going to fight, fight for it, dedicate their lives against it, uh, which is not what you want. Uh, and maybe or they're misinformed, which is possible, or they really believe it is. But a lot of it is misinformation because people still have the stigma of, oh, it's a consumer loss of energy, which is the case for you know some technologies, still the case today. Um, and this crypto gambling aspect and pump and dump and scams and all that. So that's really, the problem is history. <laughs> if you started from today, you had a much better life than if you started 10 years ago and, okay, this is all what happened. Oh, I hate that. If today you came with just the solution of, okay, that's a cool game, that's a cool solution, I'm going to use it, great. I earned something, great. Uh, I can have access to this, awesome. Why would I complain? <laughs> no reason. 
but you had this yeah this history uh, that you have to deal with. So I think the really it's gonna come down to providing as uh, as a seamless interaction as you can, so nobody feels or think about that uh, and don't have the stigma of the past. Sounds great to me. I agree. Um, so. Yeah, I want to thank you very much for your time today. This has been a wonderful conversation. I enjoyed speaking with you and I learned a lot. And um, I have one last question and it's an easy one. How can people find out more information about you, about Ultra, about Ultra Games? How can they play any of your games? How can they get involved in your community? Totally. Uh, basically, the website is ultra.io. Uh, From there, you get access to all our socials and you can also download the client. So that's the very first step you want to get into. Get on the website, ultra.io, download the client. And from there, you will already feel the ease of use because you're going to use a blockchain product, but you don't know it's a blockchain product. You're going to have to put your phone because we need to know in which country. That's fair. Uh, so we can apply the right rates for you. If you're in the US, you want to pay in US dollars. Fair enough. Um, and that's really all it is. So very simple. You get into it. You don't know the client. Uh, and then you can already start to buy games uh, and start to get into, into the mood. Uh, credit card, whatnot, it all works. You don't have to be pushed into crypto again. Just do like you would be doing everywhere else, like on Steam or elsewhere. And you will start to learn more and more about the ecosystem. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks so much, Jamil. Thanks for having me.